Welcome to To Be Continued, a Stonecraft Symposium podcast. On today's episode, Taib and Tyler Boyce, co-collaborators, siblings, and organizers, chat about Black joy, community organizing, and celebrating queer and trans Black communities. sharing stories have always been the way we've made ourselves known to each other and how we've learned with each other, we're challenged by a profoundly different set of living circumstances and conditions that raise questions on how we make connections, uh, learn from stories, and produce a sense of intimacy. How do we share when physical gatherings come at great expense? This podcast series acts as an extension of To Be Continued, um, Troubling the Queer Archive, an art exhibit which is taking place September to May at the Carleton University Art Gallery. The show and today's conversation both take place on unceded, unsurrendered Algonquin territory. The intention of this show is to amplify, honor, and celebrate the realities of QT BIPOC folks. It's been an ongoing process to think through the ways universities and galleries and our work within them are either complicit in sustaining existing power structures or are deployed to creatively and critically disarticulate them, especially when we think to the archives that these spaces are implicated in producing towards in terms of nation-making projects. As such, this show is specifically designed to think through what intervening or interrupting these processes can look like. Today, I'm really excited to share space with folks who've worked to center the joy and lives of queer Black folks in the context of Ottawa. What does it look like to contribute to archives of community memory-making and to visibilize Blackness in this city? What power dynamics are constantly there necessary to navigate? My name is Anna Shahawk, and I, along with Kara Tierney, are the co-curators of To Be Continued Troubling the Queer Archive. The show comes out of this deep desire to build and share stories from the community so as to reorient our relationship to land, space, and place. How do we envision communal knowledges? How do we raise our communities into the center when oftentimes these normative stories do not reflect us as readily? With that said, I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself. Tyler, would you, do you want to, oh, actually, you know what, important question, who's the eldest sibling between the two of you? That, that's a common question that we get. <laughs> uh, so who, who do you think the eldest sibling is? You know, um, I think Tyler, but... Okay. Are you the eldest, Tyler? No, so Taib is <laughs> oldest. No, no, Taib is older than me, but we are one year of I just look younger than Tyler, that's why. But thank you. Thank you for that. We we, we, can, we can go with that. A little bit a little bit of fake. Uh, yeah. Do you wanna introduce yourself first as the eldest? Yeah, uh sure. Um so yeah, my name is Taib Kumye Boyce. My pronouns are he, him. I'm a activist, educator, student, brother, uh person living in Ottawa and I am just gay and black and love all of that about myself and Muslim. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um so my name is Tyler Boyce, the one year younger sibling. Um yeah, so I am one of the co-founders along with Tayyab of Dark and Fruity. The Dark and Fruity Collective aims to create space um, for Black, queer, and trans joy to celebrate ourselves and to build community. I'll also note that um, both Taib and I are in Ottawa on the traditional lands of the Algonquin and Anishinaabe peoples. And um, as Black folks, as Black settlers, Black Indigenous solidarity is something that's really important to us as individuals, but also to us as uh, co-founders of the Dark and Fruity Collective. So really happy to jump into the conversation and thanks for, for having us, Anna. Of course, it's such a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure you get this question so often, but like siblings, activists, community organizers, like tell me um, what was it like growing up in Ottawa uh, and how, what happened to like motivate and mobilize these sort of different prongs of activity organizing that you both participated in? Um, Taib, do you want to go first? I, I don't want to always go first, by the way, because that's not how our life works, you know, in terms of you know, Tyler and I. Yeah, it's very much uh, yeah. uh, an equal partnership um, with like different uh, capabilities, but also very similar ones. Because there's been moments in my life where 
Tyler's needed to go first and uh, I've needed to follow and, and, and vice versa. Um, and, you know, growing up in Ottawa, it's kind of been that story, you know, of us trying to just navigate uh, coming into ourselves yeah. and, you know, supporting one another in doing that, but also like carving our own path based on like our interests and our capabilities. Mm-hmm. We grew up in uh, community housing with our mother and our brothers. And, you know, we went to an all-white uh, school from, like, elementary to high school. And uh, that really shaped, like, our activism, our sense of identity, especially f- coming from our family, like, surrounding ourselves, with, uh, surrounding us with culture, surrounding us with love and representation of black excellence in our family and also in culture and media you know we we have memories of going to rogers to rent a a movie and our mom would always be like okay where's the black film where's the black film you know we'd watch rush hour we'd watch barbershop we'd watch you know all of those movies that were coming out when we were growing up in like the 2000s uh that were like really central to like black representation so we always like felt a sense of pride in our blackness and it was just later on in life where we found for me personally where I found pride in my queerness as well because that what I feel like was more of a slow progression than acceptance of my blackness. Thank you. Tyler? That was really well said, Tayyip. Um kind of like what I'll add is that, you know, growing up in Ottawa and, you know, uh, Ottawa's experienced like a major demographic shift in the past 10 years uh, in terms of like the number of Black people. So me and Tayyip were born in Ottawa. Both our parents immigrated to Ottawa. So our household was very much like a, a very African, very proud um, Black household. But kind of like the city just wasn't always there. Um, despite how much it's changed today, right? Like today, Black folks in Ottawa are, I think, one of the the largest, um, quote unquote, visible minority groups in the city. So kind of your question around how that's shaped our activism and shaped our experience is that from a young age, it was always us creating spaces for ourselves in the public. So whether that meant uh, in elementary school, hosting a protest because our teacher said we couldn't wear our do-rags. To high school, always being the ones who are advocating and organizing our Black History Month assembly and having white teachers tell us that we shouldn't have a Black History Month assembly. Um, it kind of moved into our adult lives of understanding that, you know, both of us being queer on top of that that again and again what it means as Black people, as queer people, and especially as Black queer people, is that creating spaces for ourselves is always going to be part of the game. And it's something that me and Taib have been doing for a long time. So I guess for for me, it's really um, powerful that now, you know, in my adult life, I get to work with my brother on, again, um, through Dark and Fruity, just curating that space for us to to be together as brothers, but also for us to build community and to show these like the younger generation, you know, other queer people in the city, other black queer and trans people in the city specifically, that we deserve, we're deserving of space. We're gonna take up space regardless of what anyone says and us celebrating our joy is, is gonna be part of Ottawa, period. Yeah, thank you. You know, I really love, um, the story about like going to Blockbuster and where the emphasis is on finding representations of blackness, even in sort of mainstream narratives. Right. Um, And I'm wondering, like, like, I love the sweetness of that memory because so often when we talk about racialized experiences, it's often so deficit based and not about the joy and not about like the living thrivingness of our beings. And I, I wonder like as youth, Um, And you're signaling to the fact that like so many of the spaces don't automatically make space for black youth. And so you had to like advocate for yourselves and do that labor to produce those moments for yourself and for your peers. Were there ever any moments that 
you know, you either went to a community event or that uh, a person that you met that like actually validated and helped you grow as a young person growing up in the city. Tyler, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's a really good question in terms of like people that have helped me grow um, as a black queer person in this city. I really just think that um, it's been, you know, Taib, my brother. I think that one of the reasons that we wanted to start Dark and Fruity was because we have been really lucky to always have each other throughout this whole being young, Black, queer, and in the city <laughs> kind of lifestyle. So it was always, you know, always having a friend to go to your first queer club with. It was always having a friend to go to your your first protest with. It was always having a friend that was going to be down to support you with whatever um, idea you had to make the city a more warm and welcoming place for Black queer folks. And I feel that at the end of the day, you know, I think we can always find mentors in Ottawa specifically that are Black folks doing amazing work. But I think what was what was missing in terms of that mentorship was the intersection. So to have like a black queer person, someone who can see us like for our blackness mm. for sure, but also like for our queer identity. So yeah, I think just like having like a, a peer, like my, my brother would definitely be that kind of um, supporting, supporting role that I had growing up. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll just echo that, you know, we're so lucky to be two queer brothers, let alone two black queer brothers in this city, because I talk to people through the networks that I'm a, a part of and organized for. And they're always saying to me, like, I wish I had a black, like, queer brother as well, like other black gay men. And, you know, saying like, you know, it would have made going to the club uh, easier. I would feel safer, you know, going out with someone if I could text someone and let them know where I'm going. And, and you know, I can't do that because I don't have someone who's going to understand or even cares. So Tyler's really been that person for me, showing me uh, uh, and us showing each other like uh, the way in a way. And I, I'd also say, you know, we both did time abroad living in uh, Nairobi and Mombasa and living in Kenya, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we got to see different sides of like what it meant to be queer uh, in an East African context, because Nairobi is one of the most uh, gay friendly, queer friendly uh, places in East Africa. But that's not saying much because there's still the, the problems that, you know, arise there. Um, and part of my work uh, while I was there doing human rights advocacy for LGBT communities was to communicate with folks from uh, Uganda, uh, folks from uh, who are Kenyan and are queer and are in need of support. And those are the stories and connections that really taught me, you know, what it was like to uh, embrace my queerness because uh, like them, I saw, you know, this, we were into the same music, we were into, you know, uh, interest, the same foods and we were, I, I saw myself in them more so than I saw myself in the community uh, here that's very white. So when we came, when I, when we came back, we were like, we were coming back from a situation where we were just saturated with such African black queer excellence. Uh, and then we come back to Ottawa in, in 2017 and we're like, oh my God, this is what we're, this is what we've, we, you didn't, you didn't, we didn't know what we were in until we were outside of it. And then when we came back, we were like, no, this can't continue. We need to have a space where we can thrive and we can be ourselves and listen to music that we want to listen to and feel safe. We didn't have the opportunity to, have, you know, Black queer elders, you know, in our networks in Ottawa, right? And we have to also mention that we're not far off the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Black people during the 80s were hit very hard when it came to that virus, you know, because of racism, because of homophobia, because of transphobia and all of that. So, you know, I've met elders doing HIV advocacy, like uh, through the Black Gay Men's Network of Ontario, through... Um, a cow through Black Cap 
in Toronto, you know, we've met amazing Black queer elders. And just uh, when we go to Toronto, we, we always connect and we, we share experiences. And speaking of Toronto, that's where we are most connected with like our Black queer, you know, uh, peers. The past couple of years, you know, we, we've gone to Toronto to enjoy Blockorama. And, you know, when we first went to Blockorama, that was like an eye-opening experience for us because we were like, wow, this is what Black queer uh, excellence could look like. Why isn't it not in Ottawa? But even if it's not in Ottawa, we're going to go to Toronto and like I- enjoy it. Yeah. And yeah, it just, I, I just think that Ottawa, we're trying to be those people for other people who are queer and Black in Ottawa. And because we're that to each other and we want to share that with other folks as well. Yeah, thank you both. Um, Taib, do you want to just explain to the viewers like what Blockorama is in the context of Toronto? Uh, I'll try. I'm not, I'm not an expert, but for me, Blockorama was uh, started by um, a, like a group of queer folk in Toronto. And they was a house party at first, and then it just grew and grew and grew. And it's been at uh, Church and Wellesley for a long time. And it's a soca dance hall like reggae music atmosphere and they have like big artists come sing as well i think last in 2019 they had winnie harlow the uh, supermodel with vitiligo on stage um modeling for everyone and it's always a great atmosphere and great time to just Mm -hmm. be black queer and just like have your all your inhibitions just leave you um, I, I remember one time we were getting ready with our friends and we ended up just like, there's always a huge, huge line to get into Blockorama, but not once have Tyler and I stood in that line to get in. Yeah, <laughs> Every 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 year, there's a, like some <laughs> secret way that we get in. So so one year we were just like dressed to the nines as we do, and we were with like our friends, and we just walked in the back door of uh, Blockorama, and the security guards were like, "Wait, you can't do that! Wait, wait!" And we, nobody listened. We just kept walking, 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 and then our friend, she's just like, "Oh, they're with me! They're with me!" She does like promotion of parties and things. So we just ignored them and kept walking and all of a sudden we were in the VIP and who do we see a guy with a snake around his neck just muscly daddy just black and fine with a snake um, around his neck we were having a ball like the (laughs) Blockorama is so much fun I think like between the two of you I mean sure there's the familiar sibling support but there's such a beautiful network and language of love and care that informs how you how you're doing everything like so much of it is is resting on that care, that sharing of care. Um, and I think that's so profoundly beautiful. At the same time, you know, when you speak about going outside in order to see what's lacking on the inside, like what signals to an appetite or a hunger that's unspoken until you fill that appetite somewhere else and realize that you want this at home, right? You want this to be near and close and easily accessible. You're both uh, engaged in a lot of different community organizing at the like with institutions, but also at your own sort of capacity, you're producing things. And I'm wondering if there's particular projects that you want to share with me. I know Tyler, you've talked about dark and fruity. Um, can I ask you to tell me a bit more about that, and then we can go from there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to say though, quick things. Like I remember that big muscly daddy with the snake around his neck and like that being like the entrance to Blockorama 2019 and yeah big vibes cannot wait (laughs) yeah so like dark and fruity essentially was like Taib has mentioned you know we were living abroad um we were uh, living in, in East Africa in different cities I was in Mombasa Taib was between Botswana and Nairobi And yeah, like we just, we left, we were living our best queer lives. um, And then we came back to Ottawa and it was just like, no way are you guys still this 
like we were shook you know like yeah. there are so many black people in ottawa now and there are so many black queer and trans people in ottawa right now and um yeah for us it just was not a possibility to continue moving forwards without us um, connecting with each other and at the bare minimum being able to go out on a friday night and know that you are gonna have a great time um where you can be as black as queer as you uh as as you want to be yeah so yeah i'm just gonna um bring back like just to repeat what i was talking about a little bit earlier it was just having experienced blockarama in toronto and knowing like what black joy looks like and needs to be in the context of ottawa going abroad and seeing this a celebration and a sustenance that's absent in Ottawa, you know, what the two of you sort of experienced, recognized, and then wanted to contribute to, right? So in terms of like thinking about Black archives for the city, celebrating Black joy, having spaces where queer Black folks can like be there in safety and in camaraderie, what did that process look like? You both at one point or another um, have either said or signaled to uh, a co-collaborative project dark and fruity and i'm wondering if we can know a little bit more about what you know we know what prompted it but how did it come about what did this process of putting this event and bringing together community look like for each of you maybe i can just talk about like that process of how we even came to the name dark and fruity and all of that yeah so yeah as we said we came back and, and we were like wow, there's still no uh, Black-centered queer events in the city. And as Tyler was saying, there's a lot of Black people in Ottawa, and there's a lot of Black queer people as well. I think the difference between Ottawa and Toronto is that, you know, in Toronto, they have uh, like a rich history of Black organizing in, amongst different communities, uh, where in Ottawa, it, there isn't so much of that on the same scale. And I think it has a lot to do with like, who's the demographic of the city, um, so people are working in like secure government jobs often. And if you're black, it's more like, like in our instance, it, we were coming from a, a first generation, like newcomer family as well. So a lot of the young people are, you know, just coming up, uh, into their professional careers, you know, finishing their school or finding, you know, their passion, uh, whether in the art or in, uh, something creative. So it doesn't leave a lot of time for for organizing when you're trying to juggle you know your your professional life and also your your family life and that's mm-hmm. us as well and I guess we just how dark and fruity came about was we collected other black queer and trans folk who wanted to put on something for our community but had small amounts of time to give and we collaborated all those small amounts of time and different types of skills. And we created Dark and Fruity in the summer of 2018. And we met for, uh, as a group, a group of, uh, you know, five to seven queer folk. And a lot of them, uh, I'm sure, you know, you would know as well. Um, cause dark and fruity isn't something that, you know, was only me and Tyler thing, but it was like a community effort. Uh, of folks who are very well known, black queer folks who are very well known, mm-hmm. but and had the time to dedicate to organizing this event. And we put a lot of effort into organizing that first event for Dark and Fruity because we all didn't know how to organize an event. There's no like handbook on how to organize an event in Ottawa. Right. So we were learning about bylaws. We were learning about uh, how to raise money for uh, to pay DJs and to get food and to pay for the park fee and all of those things, because none of us had organized an event before. And I would just say that, you know, it all was successful in near the end. And it was literally a community effort. You know, it was Tyler and I stuffing our barbecue into the back of our Dodge uh, journey and taking it to a park uh, in uh, by uh, Bayview Station and you know just putting out some blankets, some tables that I got from ACO, my my old work, AIDS Community of Ottawa, and we just put some tablecloth that we got from the dollar store on top of the tables, and we put on the the, the condiments that we got, some bottles of water, a speaker, uh, you know, we hooked up our controller to our, you know, 10-year-old uh, MacBook Pro 
and we had a generator and some cables that we were not, we almost could have started a fire because we're not electricians, but and we're all just like, we don't know what we're doing. But, you know, we wanted to have music in the park with some food and some good vibes uh, post-2018 uh, uh, Pride in, in Ottawa in August, you know, kind of mimicking Blockorama, doing it the Ottawa version, which was very, like, low-key, listen to music, chat, meet, like people who we didn't know came through and sat on the picnic blankets with us and chatted and we shared meals and stories and danced a bit. But it was just something nice to do after uh, the Sunday parade. And it, it, again, it just stems from the fact that we didn't have a space like that uh, you know, organized by something like Capital Pride or any any NGO in the city. Like they never organize anything specific to Black queer folks. I would have liked if they were like, "Hey, we have money, would, uh, and we're going to put it towards this." And um, it was always us having to go to them, never them coming to us. And that, that you know, we worked through it, and we came up with a name. Dark and fruity just came from you know, us being dark and fruity we, and us wanting it to cater it to people who were uh, melanated and and hella, you know, other um, in society. Yeah, that's how dark and fruity came about. Yeah, so I just want to say, like, you know, I think the work that um, that dark and fruity does in terms of making space, but also drawing together, uh, like folks from all over Ottawa, um, both like familiar and unfamiliar is such a beautiful thing, right? Like, um, and I'm just trying to, there's so many, there's so many things happening in this project that I think is incredible. The self-engineering sort of execution of putting, you know, uh, an event together, like this is something we don't normally talk about, uh, that oftentimes, we don't inherit archives or legacies of how to do or how to go about doing a thing. Um, and that often means that we're reliant on like patching it and DIYing a version to, to like fill a particular need. Um, and what that often is sort of absent in, in the presentation of it. So, you know, folks show up to the event, you know, um, they're able to like make connections, they're able to partake foods together, but all of this, background invisible labor that goes on is sort of like left unknown. Um, and so I really appreciate both of you like sharing, you know, how that first event even like were, was brought together. And simultaneously, as you've both spoken about, you know, the lack of access to Black queer elders, for instance, in the city of Ottawa. And um, last season, we had Mickey Bradshaw, who, you know, um, is between Ottawa and Montreal and how they would even they would talk about how um, the challenge of people leaving when like people leave Ottawa in because an appetite gets left unfulfilled, right? Like where you have to put things together so often. And sometimes it's such solitary, lonely work that at a certain point you deplete yourself of having to generate that over and over um, and I wonder, like, how do you regenerate yourself? Like, how do you keep the momentum going for a project like Dark and Fruity? Um, what do you? What are ch some challenges that you faced along the way, uh, outside of the lack of access to the archives or knowledges of how to do this thing, um, and bring it to, you know, to public awareness? So, like, two things that I would say is, one, if you want to follow Dark and Fruity, we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We're on Instagram at, uh, at Dark and Fruity. Um, and same thing on, on Facebook. Taib, I think we're on Facebook as Dark and Fruity Collective. Yeah. Um, but what I'll also add is that, you know, there are a lot of, like, employment opportunities in Ottawa um, at LGBTQ2 organizations. Um, these folks, you know, these organizations, you know, they're funded to meet the needs of LGBTQ2 communities in Ottawa. And when we look at those needs, those needs are exacerbated and very acute for, for Black, queer and trans folks in particular. So if we want to talk about keeping 
initiatives like dark and fruity going if you want to talk about having new initiatives happen in these cities it all starts with people being able to live in the city so what i would like to see is more black queer and trans folks being hired at these lgbtq2 organizations if they want to work there um i think that sometimes we can fall into the tendency of um you know white folks um, really being gatekeepers in those organizations. And then you'll have your one black employee. And it's like, look how diverse we are. And for me, it always like, it's such, it's such so strange because, you know, the programs that are needed in this city are programs like for black folks, like for indigenous folks, for trans folks. So why is it that when we go to apply to provide those community, those, those resources for our, for our communities, um, there can only be one of us. I think that the staff should really be reflective of the programming that they're supposed to be carrying out. And Black people, Black queer and trans people in Ottawa are brilliant. They're organizers. They are capable. And I want to see them with the employment that matches those skills. Yeah, I would add like, like where Dark and Fruity has gone since then. So like Dark and Fruity has, has grown a lot since... Um, like brainstorming in the uh, throughout the summer, kind of off the side of our desks while we're all, you know, on our individual hustles. Um, since then, you know, we've we've noticed that you know this is something that's needed in the city. I think a changing point for me was when people who like Taib didn't know, I didn't know, none of the other organizers know, like complete strangers to to every to the organizing uh, group they came through for the first event uh, that we threw. And just to see like Black, queer and trans people in Ottawa all together and making those connections between one another. Um, I think that's kind of the reason that we did uh, Dark and Fruity in the, in the first place. Um, when you're Black and you're queer, um, community is uh, something that's needed, uh, oftentimes for survival. Um, people that you know are going to have your back, help you navigate whatever kind of resources that you need, that you can get to. And also places to just generate like that, that joy that's so necessary for us to continue forward. Um, and yeah, that's what we did in 2018. So since then, some cool things we've been able to do with Dark and Fruity is um, we hosted another event where um, I was involved with these um, Black queer filmmakers um, through um, a project that was actually funded by Kindspace, a queer organization here in Ottawa. Um, so specifically for, for Black queer folks interested in film. So we came together and we made a documentary about um, the mass evictions happening at Herringate. So Herringate is uh, an area in Ottawa, um, you know, low income or geared to income housing. Mm -hmm. And it was being, um, you know, uh, demolished gentrification and the people were being forced out of their homes by their homes not not being taken care of by their private developer timber creek so we came together and we did that documentary but a lot of people had been evicted and for i think for me coming from a family who immigrated to to canada and just seeing what that struggle was for us growing up of you know, navigating anti-Black racism, navigating language, navigating culture, trying to just like mm -hmm. do it for the kids, you know, and to see those families being forced out of their homes because um, folks wanted to make more money. Um, yeah. We wanted to do something. And Dark and Fruity allowed us mm -hmm. to do what Black, queer and trans people have always done throughout history, which is take care of ourselves and, and take care of the broader Black community. A hundred percent. So we hosted an event um, and just, you know, we got our, our, we call it the community controller, which is like the little DJ set that um, was belonged to one of the, the original organizers with us for Dark and Fruity. And yeah, we hosted an event um, and we just collected donations and we were able to donate. Um, I think through all of our different initiatives yeah. for Herringate, we raised 700 bucks. Um, and could give all of that money straight to the Herringate Tenants Coalition to provide for like the, you know, the, the immediate needs of folks who were being evicted from their homes, um, them and their mm -hmm. families. And then we were able to even like last year or not last year, but like in 2019, we had another dark and fruity event. And this time it was like, all right, so tell you, are we, are we doing it this year? Like, can we do it right now? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it. We have to do it. 
Um, so Dark and Fruity, uh, in June of 2019, the event moved from a park to actually our backyard. And again, it was a barbecue. So we went, we, we used, um, you know, money that we got from, from Taibu, the grant hustler that he is, mm -hmm. but also like our own money to set up that backyard, make sure everyone came through and was fed. We set up our DJ controller, our big speakers. And we um, posted the address and so many people came through. Like, I'll never forget our backyard just being full of Black, queer and trans people dressed to the nines, looking amazing and just playing the music that we want to hear, eating the food that we want to eat and <laughs> dancing and being free. And I think that in those moments, we can see that Dark and Fruity has the power to, to connect people. And it has the power to um, right. to really be something more than any of us could have could have really expected. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to see how that continues forward. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, and the expectation of like contorting yourself in order to fit into what already exists that doesn't necessarily cater to what you need. Um, and I think like you know one other sort of element that i'm wondering i mean you both signal to it uh the the need the desire for more black queer trans specific spaces to be available is you know how do folks who are listening who learn about dark and fruity who want to be part of more future um activities what kind of support what kind of sort of resources do you wish you know, that you had access to when you first started the collective, but what do you imagine that support or resource giving need to look like going forward? Um, how do you, how do we like sustain initiatives like Dark and Fruity for queer trans black folks in this city for years to come, not just as a, as a now, but also as always going forward? Yeah, like that, that's a really good question in that, you know, it's something that we've we've talked about, um, like Taib and I before. Um, you know, when Dark and Fruity started in 2018, we were a group of about you know five six five six seven you know black queer and trans folks just um, with an idea of um, how we want the city to uh, to celebrate Pride, how we want like black queer and trans people to be able to to celebrate pride and we were united on the common belief that you know we deserve it so we're going to create it um you know people move away people's um capacity changes and then you know in 20, 2019 came around and it was you know just me and tayeb uh left and we we put that labor in you know the two of us uh to to throw another event and i think kind of what keeps us moving forward is like like we've mentioned at the beginning Dark and Fruity is uh, a community platform. It's a community space. And sometimes that may look like, you know, me and Taya being the ones with the capacity to, to keep this going. Because um, like you said, people, people move away. And I think what keeps me going personally is understanding that mm -hmm. the more that Tayyib and I um, mm -hmm. are the ones right now to, to, to create these spaces, that there's this whole new, younger generation coming up and seeing that creating space for black queer and trans people in Ottawa to celebrate joy is possible. Um, so it's not, you know, right now it might look like me and Tayyib doing this work, um, mm -hmm. but I, I wholeheartedly believe that in the future, it's going to look like more and more um, black queer and trans folks kind of creating space for themselves. Um, you know, uh, I would love to see like, uh, spaces to celebrate, you know, Black trans lives in Ottawa. Right. Like, what does that look like? Taib and I are two Black, queer, cisgendered, um, you know, guys. And like, what, like, you know, we are definitely not representative of the the beautiful, like, diversity of what um, Black, queer, and trans lives are in this city. Um, and I think that the more that we, that we move forward, you know, will be able to there will be more spaces where we can see like how multifaceted Ottawa's black queer and trans community is um so yeah that's kind of like what, what 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 keep what keeps me going is knowing that you know we might be the ones who are starting this work and the ones who started it in 2018 but it is going to grow and grow and grow and i'll just say that you know if you want more black queer and trans organizing pay black queer and trans people 
period. Ottawa has a problem of not hiring, you know, oppressing Black, queer, and trans people. That's why we move away. You know, I've had many friends who've moved away from Ottawa because they couldn't find a job and they spoke French and English. So language wasn't the issue. It was just like, you're not queer enough for us uh, if we're hiring for a queer position or, um, you know, you're too Black if we're hiring for uh, a different position. Right. And that's what makes us move away. The anti-black racism in the city and, you know, the anti-black racism uh, when we do stay is too much to a point where you're like, I don't want to spend my Sunday on, you know, talking about anything. I just want to eat my food and watch my RuPaul's Drag Race and go to the gym and live my life. Because that's, that's how I do my self-care. You know, I exercise, I watch my trashy TV, and I love to cook, you know. But at the same time, it's like I shouldn't have to feel unwelcomed in the city. You know, I should feel that there's like a space for me. Because I've had instances where I've gone to queer uh, events in Ottawa and have had, you know, white queers, lesbians, like, not want me in this space or do microaggressions upon me. Uh, Like, I have one story where I was at Ottawa Pride and with Tyler, and we're looking at the end of the parade. It is our first Pride in Ottawa, and... You know, the parade is coming down and we're next to these two older lesbian women and they turn to us and they're just like, oh, isn't it so I'm so happy that you're here, uh, that you that you're here to witness this, uh, because I know that you don't have this opportunity in your country. And I look I looked at Tyler and I looked at her. I'm just like, does this like be where just say that? Like, no, you can't be serious right now. You know, and like, what country is she talking about? This is my country. I didn't even have a passport at that time, but I grew up my whole life in Ottawa. So, uh, so just like the unabashed, you know, othering that the community does upon you is is so uh, visceral that of course you don't want to stay here. You want to go somewhere else. And if it's on top of that, if you're struggling in terms of uh, finding employment and finding a secure housing, of course, you're going to go uh, somewhere else. And that's why, you know, you you have a lack of, uh, you know, uh, Black organizing in this city, because this city really, like, wears you down from all ends, whether you're trying to be your queer self or trying to be your professional self, they're telling you no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just to add on that, like, I will say that, like, that is why, like, spaces um, that are Black specific are not up for debate. Mm -hmm. Spaces that, like, where Black people can come and just be more than what the world expects us to be. Like, when that white, when that older white lesbian at Pride um, saw you, she didn't see Tayyib. She just saw um, an LGBTQ2 refugee. Because that's all, because, like, that is, that is what she sees black queer people as full stop and i feel like when we go to the to these white gay clubs in ottawa um you know there isn't space for us to be femme there isn't space for us to be you know outside of like the black gay bbc stereotype that that people want to see um and i feel like when we like in creating spaces like dark and in like dark and fruity and keeping them going you know those are spaces where you can show up and you can be you can be your you can be your full self when you walk into that space no one is so shocked by your blackness or your queerness that they're just that they that they can't see past it um rather that's something that we all share in common so actually everyone is looking to see past it people want to know your name and i think that um that is something that uh, needs to be spoken about more um, when we talk about Black queer and trans people, like just like our abilities to be so much more than what the world uh, expects us to be. Yeah, and I'll just say Tyler has been a lot of uh, on the part of, you know, helping Black queer folks become employed 
you know, he sat on the board of Max Ottawa and, you know, he helped them with their diversity and also like mainstreaming the organization to include black people. You know, while he was at Somerset West, he was part of hiring to include black, queer and trans people in the staffing. And, you know, myself as well, like that's what we have to do with the resources that we have, you know, always advocate for Black, queer and trans people as we come up ourselves, bring the community up too. And like that's what we, me and Tyler try to do with, with our with the resources that we have, you know, it might not be much or it might not be as much as we would want it to be, but we do what we can with what we have. And I just want other people to do that as well. It'll make the situation so much better for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like it's so important to think about at the organizational level where those who get to make the decisions are representative of the folks most affected by by the lack of representation, right? So, um, you know, Tyler, as you're talking about uh, diversification within institutions, oftentimes it's diversification through whiteness, but not necessarily thinking through Indigenous, Black, POC realities. And what does it mean when you have people with lived experiences at the management level, at the board level, who are able to speak of and for the lived experiences in the communities that are, that need their um, sort of like both needs and community um, engagement to be centered. And that is still something that in the context of Ottawa, more specifically speaking, is uh, in dire need. Um, I want to thank both of you so much for taking time and like, you know, sharing your stories with me and sharing your energies and just, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to see and hear of more what Dark and Fruity gets up to and how, you know, um, how it grows in, uh, in so many other ways. Like, um, I love I love knowing that, like, not only have you done the events where, um, you know, you're, uh, you're mixing in the bringing in food and bringing people together, but also what it could look like going forward in terms of, like, you know, queer Black party nights, um, thinking through how... So much of the moments where, you know, queer folks in Ottawa come through, but uh, it's not necessarily representative of like um, queer, black, indigenous, uh, racialized folks to be able to have, you know, space. Um, yeah, Tave. Yeah, I just I, I didn't want to end this conversation without giving a massive shout out to our family um, being behind us uh, because, you know, Tyler and I, we are able to give each other that specific like queer you know support uh as as we navigate that um but in terms of our, our of our activism publicly our family has has always been in our back pocket you know at the events that we host um whether for the queer community specifically or the black population in general they've they, they've been there you know, uh, from when we were at, in high school at the Black History Month assemblies that we organized to, you know, City Hall, where we're saying Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, uh, and other things. Uh, and I feel like sometimes Black queer folks don't have their family behind them, which makes organizing uh, harder because you don't, you're not able to uh, be queer publicly. You're not able to like go to an organization and say, hey, I'm a black queer person and I'm organizing for black queer things because you're not out to your family. Right. And I had that experience organizing for black uh, for dark and fruity the first time. You know, I, I wanted to rent a speaker from this guy. And then I was telling him like what the event was for. I was he was I was like, it's for black queer and trans people after the uh, Ottawa parade. Uh, Ottawa uh, Pride Parade, yeah. and then he was like, "Oh, oh, great! Uh, I fully support like black uh, people and gays." And then I it clicked in my head that you know some of the people we interact with are just like regular Joshmo heterosexual uh, cis people that you never have the opportunity to interact with a black queer person, and let let alone some like a queer person, let alone someone who's also black. Um, and you know we were able to stand in our truth in those public interactions because we have the validation of our family behind us. You know, if this person is going to be homophobic or racist to us, we know our family is going to be there to back us up 
And that's what like gives us the strength to, for me personally, to like continue organizing, knowing that, yeah, my family's always behind me. That's beautiful. Thank you, Taib. Tyler, you wanted to add something? Yeah, Taib, I'm really happy you brought up our family. You know, me and Taib are the two eldest brothers um, out of seven brothers. Wow. So we have like a lot of um, younger siblings and, you know, we're all boys. And um, I really think that, yeah, having like our family behind us, like our extended family, like our aunts, um, our parents, and, you know, like knowing that your family is going to be there behind you is uh, a privilege that me and Taib have and something that allows us to do the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big shout out to y'all if you guys are listening. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to, I guess, end by saying to any Black, queer, and trans people who are listening to this podcast that you are not too hard to love. You are beautiful. You are amazing. We love you. Yes. We are so excited to see what you do. And we are so excited for you to see tomorrow. And we are so excited for you to live in your truth today, whatever that means for you. Yes, we do. Yes, thank you. That was so beautiful. I appreciate that. I want to, again, just reiterate, like, I think what you and Daeb are doing are incredible. I can't wait to see it grow even more. And thank you so, so much for taking time on this Sunday to chat with me um, about all that you're doing and, and your journey of getting there. For sure. Thank you, Anna. It was cute. Thank you, Tayyip. It was cute. Thank you for the tech support behind the scenes, y'all. Made it happen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is fun. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. All right. Take care, y'all. Bye. Okay, bye. To Be Continued, a Stonecroft Symposium podcast is produced by Finsan Lee and Anna Shawhawk. Special thanks to today's speakers, Taib and Tyler Boyce. The music is composed by Zen Man on Pixabay. The podcast is part of Carleton University Art Gallery's Virtual Stonecroft Symposium. The symposium is organized in conjunction with the exhibition To Be Continued Troubling the Queer Archive, curated by Anna Shawhawk and Cara Tierney, and presented at the gallery September 2020 to May 2021. The exhibition and podcast expands conversations around local queer histories and futures. We're grateful for the support of Carleton University, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Stonecroft Foundation for the Arts. The Stonecroft Foundation promotes education in the visual arts and fosters the public's appreciation of the visual arts. Find out more about the Stonecroft Symposium by visiting qag.ca. That's c-u-a-g dot c-a.